Welcome to Staying the Course. Join us as we navigate the uncompromised Word of God with Pastor Brett Peterson. Alrighty, well, we made it to Revelation chapter 13. You can turn there if you want to in your Bibles. And today we will be talking about the Antichrist. Now, what do we know about the Antichrist? We're small. You can, we, I mic'd you, so. <laughs> you know, Pastor, that we, did, we discovered uh, that he's, he can't be married because if he was married, his wife would say, there's no way you're God. <laughs> <laughs> so the Antichrist is so full of himself, Pastor Chris said he's probably not married. <laughs> his wife would correct that. <laughs> yeah, his wife would keep him humble. All right, last week we talked about Revelation chapter 12, and we discovered who the woman clothed with the son was. That was the nation of Israel. We discovered that the male child was actually the church, and we saw a glimpse of the future war in heaven when satan tries to go into the tabernacle in heaven with his demons and take over as the antichrist goes into the rebuilt temple and commits the abomination of desolation <clears throat> all right so this week we're going to dig deep into the first half of revelation chapter 13. i would cover the whole chapter but then i talk like someone who is running an auction house <laughs> I go so fast that I am trying to slow down, all right? Are you guys okay with that? Okay, because I know I am a speed demon up here. I, I speak like Cindy drives. I mean, <laughs> I meant Susie. And, you know, we, we are filled with a church of people that drive fast. Wow, man, I love that. So the Antichrist, uh, what do we know him? Hey, there's going to be a mark. The word mark for the uh, mark of the beast literally is etching, and we know that chips are what? Etched. Yeah, it's really cool. It could be a literal chip in the right hand, the forehead part. I'm not sure where they would put it, you know, but uh, up here somewhere, <laughs> the size of the grain of rice. But uh, the reason why that box is right here is because that's where the people online see the video of the sermon. And so I put the box there so I don't put text through there because I can't see it. So that's why the box oh, is Pastor there. Brett, they have, I think, the insurance oh. insurance of, um, uh, statistics for America back about 10 years ago found that in car accidents or most accidents, the, the parts of the body that, that are unaffected is the forehead or the back of the, the hand. Oh, really? Yeah. Huh. And you would know that? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Ah, what, what, what's your role again? You're the uh, pharmacist for the FEMA? Oh, uh, I'm, well, I'm a uh, pharmacist for the uh, county EMS. And, oh, yeah. And I'm a pharmacist for the disaster, federal disaster medical team. Federal disaster medical team. Really good. So if you have any pharmacy questions, there you go. Dr. Mark can help you. First, what might be the catalyst that brings the Antichrist to power? Uh, I believe that there's two wars that the Bible has prophesied about that are yet to happen. Those two wars are the Psalm 83 war and the Gog-Magog war. And so what we find is the world is lined up exactly as the Bible predicted. In fact, the Psalm 83 nations are 
Palestinians, South Jordanians, the Saudis, some, uh, Central Jordan, Egyptians, Hezbollah, North Lebanon, uh, North Jordanians, Arab, some of the Arabs in the Sinai, the Gaza Strip, which is the old land of Philistia. And it's interesting that, of course, God knew in the last days that Gaza Strip would not belong to the Jews. It's still belonging to and called Philistia, that little area right there, the Palestinians, uh, and parts of Syria and Iraq. These nations are going to come against Israel. All of those nations have never done that historically yet. So this prophecy in Psalm 83 has to be fulfilled. I believe that will be the catalyst that draws Russia in, and that's the Ezekiel 38 war, and that's Russia. Now, get this, Russia, Iran, Turkey, are they aligning right now? Yes. Yes. Man, we can read the newspaper and say, whoa. The Bible predicted all of this geopolitical alliances all over the place. In fact, the New York Times said, strange bedfellows, the Russian-Turkish-Iranian axis. And that's exactly what they called it. And that's Ezekiel 38, being fulfilled before our eyes. But it says Russia will come down the big bear of the north as if a hook in its jaw and will be drawn into the war. Well, they've pledged to protect Syria. And Damascus is the capital of Syria. And Isaiah chapter 17 says Damascus will become a ruinous heap. Never has. In fact, it's the oldest perpetually populated city, say that three times quickly, in the world. So I believe Psalm 83, uh, capital of Syria, will be destroyed in that war. It'll be the catalyst for the Gog-Magog war. All hell is about to break loose. And the Antichrist will come, this diplomat, this false messiah, and finally confirm a peace covenant with many for seven years. And that'll be the catalyst for the Antichrist to come. All right. There's the verses up there if you're taking notes. Isaiah 17.1, obviously Psalm 83, Ezekiel 38.15, Ezekiel 39, they're destroyed. And by the way, I believe it has to happen, their destruction, prior to that last seven-year period for this one reason. Uh, Israel is going to burn their weapons for seven years. Okay? I don't think God would have them burn their weapons after the second coming when the earth becomes a paradise. We won't need to burn weapons. So that seven years of burning weapons has to happen prior to the 70th week of Daniel or right up to the 70th week. Does that make sense? Okay. All right. Here's a timeline of the last seven years. We know the first seal is the Antichrist coming on the scene. And this is from Revelation chapter 6. Revelation 13 is going back now to the breaking of the first seal and the rise of the Antichrist. Uh, second seal is war. Third seal, fourth seal, famine, pestilence. Fifth seal, Christian martyrs. And this is where the Antichrist goes in and commits the abomination of desolation. He goes into the rebuilt temple and loses power. All right. After the Gog-Magog battle, one will succeed in confirming peace in the Middle East. And that will be the false Messiah, the Antichrist. Now, there's a Bible that, that or a verse in the Bible that says something is holding the Antichrist back, preventing him from coming to power right now. It's 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 6 through 7. And it says this, 
And you know what restrains him, speaking of the Antichrist now, so that in his time he will be revealed. Verse 7, for the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. What have you heard about the restrainer? Who, who, who has people taught that is restraining that spirit of Antichrist? Holy Spirit, the church. Some people say the Holy Spirit. Some people say the church. Some people say uh, the Roman government is actually restraining the Antichrist spirit from coming to power. Some people say the United States, because we used to be a godly nation and we are the enforcer of the world. But it's interesting that he will be taken out of the way. And so most um, evangelical scholars today think it's the Holy Spirit or the church, or the Holy Spirit in the church that's restraining. But we know this, the Holy Spirit is omnipresent. In fact, he can't be taken out of the way. David said in the Psalms, if I ascend to heaven, behold, your spirit is there. If I descend into Sheol, behold, your spirit is there. Where can I go from your spirit? It's everywhere. It is omnipresent. Does that make sense? Okay, so it can't be the Holy Spirit. Uh, could it be the church? Are we ever uh, in the Bible? Uh, is it our job to restrain anything? Not really, but who does restrain in scripture? Angels. Yeah, in fact, that's often given to angels to restrain or hold back. Revelation chapter seven, verse one. And this, after this, I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding back or restraining the four winds of the earth. And those winds, by the way, could be spirits because a pneuma in the Greek is the same word for wind or spirit and angels are called ministering pneuma or spirits so it could be actually four demons they're holding back could be the spirit of antichrist maybe they're still holding back but not at that point but angels are given the task of holding back so the clear logical most natural translation of the restrainer would be an angel he who will be taken out of the way so the antichrist can come does that make sense okay all right so when the restraining angel is removed, the first seal will be broken on that timeline that I showed you, and the Antichrist will come on the scene. John chapter 5, verse 43, Jesus said, I came in my Father's name, and you did not receive me, speaking to the Jews. If another comes in his own name, you will receive him. And the Antichrist will be all about him. Talking about an ego, even though Satan gives him all his power, we're going to read in Revelation 13 that Satan gives him his throne and great authority and power, yet the Antichrist will demand to be worshipped as God, exalting himself even above Satan. Whoa! Man, that's going to backfire on Satan. Hmm. Matthew 24, 4, Jesus said this, And he answered to them, and by the way, the uh, disciples just said, Hey, what's going to be the sign of your coming to get us? And Jesus said, see to it that no one misleads you, for many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and mislead many. All right, that is exactly what the Antichrist will do. Then the second seal, you'll be hearing of wars and rumors of wars. See to it that you're not frightened for these things must take place, but the end is not yet. And we're gonna see that. In fact, 1 John chapter 2, verse 18 
John said, children. Don't you love how John is the disciple of love? You know he is, right? And so he's writing this letter to us, the church. He says, children, it is the last hour. And just as you have heard that Antichrist is coming, and the inference in the structure of the Greek is, and you will see him. You're going to see him. You're going to be here when he comes on the scene. Uh, Just as you've heard that Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have appeared. From this we know it is the last hour. What are those Antichrists? We're going to talk about that later. All right. Well, later in John, that passage in 1 John, he says, anyone who denies that Jesus Christ is the Messiah is the Antichrist. And what's the Antichrist going to do? I'm the Messiah. I'm the Christ. All right. The first seal is the coming of the Antichrist. Then I saw the lamb broke one of the seven seals. And I heard one of the four living creatures saying with a voice of thunder come. And I looked and behold a white horse. And he who sat on it had a bow and a crown was given to him. Who gives him the crown? Satan. Satan gives him his throne, his power, his authority. And he went out conquering and to conquer. And that leads to the second seal, which is war which will happen as soon as the Antichrist comes on the scene. So we know the Antichrist will have power for only 42 months, 1,260 days, or 3.5 years. That has to be the first half of the 70th week of Daniel. The reason why is at the sixth seal, it says everyone in the world, the rich men, the kings, the rulers, the slaves, the freedmen, hide in the caves because of the wrath of God is come. And the whole last half is the judgment and wrath of God. The Antichrist will be intellectual. He'll be boastful. Those are the verses up there. You can read them. I don't know if you can read them from your seat, but Daniel 7.20, he'll exalt himself above the God of gods, actually all gods. Uh, Daniel 11.36, 2 Thessalonians 2.4. He will not have the desire for women. His desire will be for power. Now, could he be married? Sure. Uh, Someone could get married and still not have the desire for women. Does that make sense? His passion, his drive will be power. And the Antichrist will be the most egotistical, powerful man the world has ever seen. Think about that. We can see it happen when Obama was being elected. Did you see how the world swooned with Obama? Do you remember that? They even had messianic iconology. About him. So we can see how a world leader could come on the scene and the whole world be affected by his diplomacy and all of that. He will honor the God of fortress or safety. Uh, refuge is that word. Now think about that. Hmm. What's he, what's, what's he going to be crying and getting the people to cry? Peace and safety. Then destruction comes upon them suddenly like a thief in the night. He will have great authority from Satan. In fact, Satan will give him the world. He'll seize, not by war initially, but through diplomacy or entry. Daniel eleven twenty one. He'll be a forceful military leader as the second seal is broken. A powerful leader. He's going to be amazing. Some of his names, man of lawlessness, son of destruction, uh, one who brings signs and wonders, one who comes in his own name, antichrist, pseudo-Christ, the beast, the lawless one, one whose fatal wound was healed, etc. So that's who the Antichrist is or what he's called. He'll have power for the first three and a half years. That's pretty small. Sorry about that. 
uh, world leader who will finally bring peace to the Middle East. Revelation chapter 13, verse 3, it says, I saw one of the heads as if it was slain, and his fatal wound was healed, and the whole earth was amazed and followed after the beast. And they worshiped the dragon. Who's the dragon? We found out last week in Revelation 12, it says the dragon, the serpent of old, who was called the devil or Satan. Okay? They worshiped Satan because he gave his authority to the beast. And they worshiped the beast, saying, who is like the beast and who is able to wage war with him? And there was given to him a mouth speaking arrogant words and blasphemies and authority to act for 42 months. Just three and a half years, not the whole seven years. Daniel 7.23 talks about the Antichrist coming to power again. It says, and he said, the fourth beast will be a fourth kingdom on the earth, which is Rome, which will be different from all other kingdoms and will devour the whole earth. And that's the rekindled Rome that gives power to the Antichrist in the last days and crush it. As for the ten horns, out of this kingdom, ten kings will arise. Speaking of Rome, those are the ten toes of his vision as well. And they're the ten kings without a kingdom that will give the Antichrist power in these last days. Whew. All right. As for the ten horns, out of this kingdom, ten kings will arise, and another will arise after them, and he will be different, speaking of the Antichrist, than the previous ones, and subdue three of the kings. So I speculate those ten kings are the Western European Union. How many of you have ever heard of that? It's the exact location where old Rome, before it fell apart, existed. And they enacted a document that established a person called the High Diplomat. And he is, has the ability to enact peace treaties for the European Union. Okay, and we're going to talk about that next week. We're going to get into the mark of the beast and how that applies to uh, the Antichrist. And he will speak out against the Most High and wear down the saints. Who's saints in the Bible? Who does, who's it almost always referred to? The church. Yeah, not, not the old covenant. And this is Daniel looking forward to the church of the highest one. And he will intend to make alterations in times and in law. And they will be given into his hand for how long? A time, times, and half a time. Three and a half years. 42 months, 1,260 days. All right. Okay, Revelation 13, 1 through 7. Why don't we turn there and just get into the text. If you have your Bibles, if not, you can listen. They stopped making this particular Bible with the wide margins. This is like my fifth one. I fill them up usually and then get another one, but they stopped making them. So this is the last time if, when it falls apart, I'm, I'm done. <laughs> All right, Revelation 13. And the dragon, remember that Satan, stood on the sand of the seashore. Then I saw a beast coming up out of the sea. Now, often in the Bible, sea is allegory for a multitude of people. The sea of humanity is the idea here. He's not coming out of the ocean. He's coming out of the sea of humanity. <clears throat> and I saw the beast coming up out of the sea of humanity, having ten horns. Who are the ten horns? Ten kings without a kingdom that give their power and authority to the Antichrist, and seven heads. Why only seven heads? Because three of the horns are going to oppose him, and he's going to uproot them as he's trying to establish his global government. 
and ten diadems, and on his heads were written blasphemous names. Even if it was written Jesus Christ on his head, it would be blasphemy. Why? Because he's not Christ. But he's going to come saying, guess what? I am the Christ. Okay, that's blasphemy. Verse 2. And the beast, speaking of the Antichrist, which I saw was like a leopard, and this is from Daniel chapter 7 and Daniel chapter 11, <clears throat> where he has the uh, vision of the beast, and his feet were like those of a bear, and his mouth like the mouth of a lion, and the, Satan, the dragon, gave him his power and his throne and great authority. And I saw one of his heads as if it had been slain, and his fatal wound was healed, and the whole earth was amazed and followed after the beast, and they worshipped the dragon because he gave his authority to the beast. And they worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like, well, where did I go? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. May it follow the beast. Oh, yeah. Worship the beast, saying, Who is like the beast? And who is able to wage war with him? And there was given to him a mouth speaking arrogant words and blasphemies, and authority to act for 42 months was given to him. And he opened his mouth in blasphemies against God to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle, that is, those who dwell in heaven. And it was given to him to make war with the saints and to overcome them, the breaking of the fifth seal, and authority over every tribe and people and tongue and nation was given to him. All right. So that's the guy that's coming that'll be a great diplomat. Verse 5, it says, There was given to him a mouth uh, speaking arrogant words and authority to act for 42 months. Again, that's only three and a half years. And he made war with the saints, speaking of the church. That's the breaking of the fifth seal where the Christian martyrs are martyred. All right. The Antichrist will only have power for the first three and a half years. When the sixth seal is broken right at the midpoint, he's going to lose his power. He's going to hide in the rocks of the caves. That's Revelation chapter 6, verse 15. The Antichrist, the, the kings of the earth, the great men, the commanders, hid themselves in the caves and among the rocks. So a lot of people say he has power the last half and not the first half. Okay? Well, the church won't be here the last half. Israel will be in the wilderness protected, and the last half is wrath and judgment of God. It has to be the first half of the 70th week of Daniel that he has power. So again, first half, Antichrist rules. Second half, Antichrist runs and hides in the caves because of the wrath of God. When the Antichrist takes over, is that the timing for the establishment of one world government? Yes. Uh, and that's why the second seal, he will initially try to establish it, but three nations at least are going to oppose the establishment of the government. And... Right around the fifth seal, when Christians begin to be killed for their faith, beheaded, uh, two other nations are going to oppose them, the king of the north and the king of the east. Um, and so, yeah, he will do his best to try to establish that one world global government. So the Antichrist, anti in the Greek, literally means over against, opposite to, before, for, instead of, or in place of, or pseudo, the false Christ the pseudo-Christ, in place of Christ. Now, it's interesting to note that the Antichrist will do a lot of things that Christ did. And here's a little comparison. 
the beast, the Antichrist, will have a fatal wound and come back to life. Jesus died and rose again. The Antichrist is able to do miracles. Jesus did miracles. The Antichrist will rule for three and a half years. Jesus ministered for three and a half years. Okay, the comparison is radical. Uh, he will be the proclaimed Savior, the Christ, when Jesus truly is the Savior. He will seal all those who follow him with the mark of the beast, and Christ seals us with the Holy Spirit. And he's given the earth by Satan, and Jesus, remember when he was tempted, refused the earth when Satan tried to give it to him. All right, so that's the differences and similarities between them and the uh, Antichrist and Christ. So this man will be Satan's version of the Messiah. He will come to power through diplomacy and will end with complete corruption. In fact, he'll think he's God. So he'll be quite delusional. Most of the world, though, will idolize him and follow him. And he'll have the solution to the Middle East crisis. So the first thing the Antichrist does when he comes to power, and this is how we'll know who it is. At least we'll have a good idea is Daniel chapter 9, verse 26. Then after the 62 weeks, Messiah will be cut off. That was speaking of the first coming of Christ. And that means he will die and have nothing. And the people of the prince who is to come will destroy the city and the sanctuary. And that happened 70 AD when uh, the emperor Titus and the Roman legions came, took over Jerusalem, destroyed the temple, literally took the temple apart brick by brick trying to get the gold that was in there and had melted off the top dome into the bricks and all of that. And Christ said they would do that. They would take it apart stone by stone, brick by brick, fulfilled under Titus. By the way, in Rome, if you go to the Arch of Titus, on that thing that uh, Titus made to commemorate his victory over Jerusalem, they have the temple artifacts on this Arch of Titus in Rome today. You can see them carrying all the temple, the menorah, the candlesticks, the table of showbread, all of that. Okay, and there will be war. Desolations are determined. Daniel 9.27. And he will make a firm covenant with many for one week, the last seven years. That's why we call it the 70th week of Daniel. Okay. For one week, he's going to make a firm covenant. That will be the first thing he does, the breaking of the sixth seal the Antichrist comes on scene, and he will finally bring peace to the Middle East. How do we know that? Because the Jews will be allowed to rebuild their temple next to the Dome of the Rock. Okay, wow. Okay. The Middle East, uh, oh, the middle of the week, abomination of desolation, that's when Christ uh, talked about in Matthew 24, 15. Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation, which we just read about in Daniel, Standing in the holy place, let the reader understand. In 2 Thessalonians, Paul clarifies it, chapter 2, verse 3. Let no one in any way deceive you, for it will not come, speaking of the rapture, unless the apostasy comes first. That's the great falling away from the faith. And the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction, who opposes and exalts himself above every so-called God or object of worship so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, displaying himself as being God. Mm. All right. Remember, when he does that, Satan is going into the tabernacle in heaven, God's throne, trying to do the same thing. 
And that's when all hell breaks loose. In Revelation 12, we read Michael and his angels wage war with uh, Satan and his demons, and they're not strong enough, and they're kicked out of heaven once and for all. All right. So the whole world's trying to bring peace to the Middle East. Have you seen it on the news? Yeah. Man, he's going to make a firm covenant for one week. Every president has attempted it, all the way back to Carter, Clinton, Bush, and all, almost all the presidents, Obama, and here we have Trump and Kushner, his son-in-law, trying to bring peace. And uh, Algeria's just put this out this morning, uh, about eight hours ago now, seeking regional support for the economic plan expected to include international funding proposals for the impoverished Gaza Strip, that's Philistia, is a step on the way to the eventual unveiling of Trump's sweeping proposals to resolve the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. And he's headed to the Middle East right now to talk to all the Saudi nations and all of that to get them behind this plan. And they're going to unveil this peace treaty, this peace plan, after elections in Israel, which I believe are March 9th. Uh, it could be April 9th, but coming up real soon. So they just put that out this morning. Interesting. Now, what's interesting, he's Jewish, too. Now, the Antichrist, if the Jews think he is Messiah, more than likely has to be Jewish. Hmm. I'm not saying he's the one, but we need to keep our eyes on that. This man, the Antichrist, will be Satan's version. The Jews are looking for him. And guess what? We talked about it when we talked about the breaking of the uh, first seal. Muslims are looking for him. Hmm. And the apostate church is looking for him. How do we know that? Scott, preterists, all millennialists, what are they looking for? They're, all of this is not going to happen. And the next event, Jesus will just come back and establish his kingdom. Right? Or, or the church is bringing in peace, and this could be part of the church. A exactly. When this guy comes on the scene, the apostate church will think he is the second coming of Jesus Christ. The Jews will think he is the first coming of Christ. Maybe then they'll realize, oh, it's the second. Who knows? They're probably the first. And the Islam uh, are looking for the Mahdi. And folks, we talked about that, but we're going to review it a little bit today because the Mahdi will be the one that ties it all together. And it's pretty powerful when you look at it. All right. So who's the pseudo-Christ? Someone who comes in his own name. Rabbis today say whoever allows them to rebuild their temple will be Messiah. Uh, whoever does that. The Antichrist will do that with that covenant that he makes with many. <clears throat> All right. How will Muslims, though, embrace him? We're going to talk about that briefly right now as Savior. Uh, Jews are going to embrace him. Muslims will, too. So it's interesting that um, Islam is the fastest growing religion in the world today. Did you know that? Okay. Why is the world embracing Islam? Europe, they're, they're, you know, all over. Germany, they are infiltrating everywhere. Deception. Hey, could it be they're preparing for the uh, Antichrist? Why is the Western world allowing Muslims to take over entire cities and countries and impose Sharia law? Why are our schools, public schools, teaching people the five pillars of Islam 
and having them read sections out of the Quran. Why do many schools allow Muslim children to pray at the hours of prayer and take their mats out in the hallway, but Christian children are not allowed to pray? I want you to think about this. There is something diabolical going on. And the ruler of this world is behind it. Okay, so let's examine really quick. <sighs> All right, first it's very clear, and I want to make this clear, Allah is not the God of the Bible. Okay, they will say it is. Oh no, it's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Same God. It's not the same God. And in fact, the Quran actually says it's not the same God. Muhammad wrote this, Quran 109, 1 through 6. Say, O disbelievers, I do not worship what you worship, nor are you worshipers of what I worship, nor will I be a worshiper of what you worship, nor will you be worshipers of what I worship. For you is your religion, and for me is my religion. So even the Quran says the God they worship is not the God of the Bible. Okay, I want to make that clear. Okay, it is a false God. Fact is, they call Allah a very strange name, and we talked about this before. One hadith states this, and the approval of this benevolent prophet, Muhammad, be upon them, and also on those who are amongst the believers, and praise be to Allah, the Lord of the two worlds. Muslim Brotherhood, in their document here, called Allah the Lord of the two worlds. Guess where they get that? It's an Egyptian phrase from one of their gods, and it's literally called the Lord of the two worlds, the, uh, the underworld and the, the, the other world. So interesting. Do you know Satan hmm, is the Lord of what? This world. This world and the principality of the air. Hmm. Hmm. God is never called the Lord of the two worlds. So believe me, they are worshiping Satan. And what did we read in Revelation 13? The people will worship Satan because he gave his power and authority to the beast or the Antichrist. Now, I want you to see how diabolical this is. Paul said, if we are an angel of light, come to you and preach a gospel other than that which has been preached, let him be accursed, right? So we can't change the Bible. And he said, Satan disguises himself as what? an angel of light or messenger of light, and they are going to tell the world Christ is the Antichrist, the first coming of Jesus, and that God is the mean God that caused all the disaster and horrible things on the planet, and Satan is the good God, and the Antichrist, false Messiah, is the real Savior. Are you with me? They're going to twist it all around. All right. Next week when we talk about the false prophet, we'll talk about the unholy trinity, Satan, the Antichrist, <clears throat> and the false prophet. All right. All right. Accepted are those with whom, and this is a quote from um, a Hadith, uh, you made a treaty among the infidels, and then they have not been deficient toward you in anything or supported anyone against you. So complete for them their treaty until their term. Indeed, Allah loves the righteous. And when the sacred months have passed, then kill the infidels wherever you find them and capture them and besiege them and sit and wait for them in every place of ambush. But if, if they should repent, establish prayer and pay the tribute tax, 
Let them go on their way. Indeed, Allah is forgiving and merciful. And Quran chapter 8 verse 12 says, the way you kill them is to chop off their heads. I want you to think about that. Today the practice, the only people that literally practice uh, beheading people are Muslims. Okay. I don't think anyone else is doing it. You know how the Christian martyrs die at the breaking of the fifth seal? By their heads being chopped off. And that's what the Quran says to do. In fact, Revelation 20 says, I saw thrones and they that sat on them and judgment was given to them. And I saw the souls who had been beheaded because of the testimony of Jesus and because of the word of God. And those who had not worshipped the beast or his image and had not received the mark on their forehead or on their hand. And they came to life, this is the rapture, and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. And that's when we reign with Christ for a thousand years. So what about the rise of Islam and end-time prophecy? How will the Jews think he's Messiah and the Muslims think he's Mahdi? Let's just examine and review again what we talked about when we talked about the breaking of the first seal. Okay. Do you know that Muslims believe Jesus Christ is going to come again? Yeah. No, they do. It's part of their eschatology. They think three guys are coming. The Mahdi, Jesus, and the Dajjal. Okay, these three people are going to come in the last days. The Mahdi will enact a peace treaty, guess for how long? Seven years. The Antichrist will enact a treaty for how long? Seven years, right? Covenant. Okay, so <laughs> it's crazy. Their eschatology is our eschatology twisted and backwards. And I just want to go over it again. According to Islam, there'll be gr three great signs, which are three great persons. The Mahdi, the coming of Jesus Christ, and the Dajjal. First of all, they believe somebody is coming called the Mahdi. And if you've ever heard the Iranian president, uh, Mohammed Ahmadinejad, hey, I almost said his name right, address the United Nations. H have you heard it? He always ends or begins with, the Mahdi is coming. Oh, bless the 12th Imam. Glory to the Mahdi. Glory to the 12th Imam. They're the same person. The 12th Imam and the Mahdi, their Savior. Okay. Uh, the Mahdi means guided one. He's also called the awaited Savior, the Lord of the age. Interestingly, too, the 12th Imam. All right. What's, what's he going to do? And by the way, why do, why do they have a significant 12th imam? Because we had 12 apostles. There's 12 tribes in the nation of Israel. Remember, the enemy is exactly mimicking what God has already established and trying to take it and uh, make it his. All right. The Mahdi, they say, is coming to set up a new world order, a global government to establish an Islamic caliphate around the world that is a civil, political, and spiritual world denomination. Domination, not denomination. <laughs> no, you could say denomination too. What is, is the Antichrist going to do that same thing? Absolutely. I mean, that's exactly what the Antichrist does. He will make a peace agreement after that with the Jews and the West, who they call the Romans. Interesting, right? Okay. Western world is essentially the revived Roman Empire. And what is probably most noteworthy and amazing 
is the time frame I already told you they say he's going to rule for seven years. They even say he's going to come riding on a white horse, and they quote Revelation chapter 6, the breaking of the first seal, and say that is the Mahdi. Well, we know Revelation chapter 6, the breaking of the first seal, is the Antichrist. Okay, do you see how it goes together? All right. How in the world is the false Messiah going to bring peace in the Middle East? Wow. Because Islam will think he's the Mahdi and Jews will think he's the Christ. Mm. All right. Uh, they say this about the Mahdi. The prophet said there will be four peace agreements between you and the Romans. The fourth will be mediated through a person who will be from the prodigy of Hadrat Aaron. Who's Aaron? Moses' brother. He's the one that started the priesthood, and they say this Mahdi will be from his uh, thing, and he will be upheld for seven years. That's in Izat and Arif, page 40. <laughs> uh, the rightly guided one, the El Mahdi, the Imam, the 12th Imam, the promised deliverer, they call him, uh, deputy of God, the comforter, interesting, and he will reign for seven years. That's from muslimlibrary.com, and there's the link if you guys ever want to get to it. All right. The Muslim scholars say the Mahdi will be a descendant of Abraham and Aaron, and further, they say he will be a descendant of David himself. Prophets Ishmael and Isaac, peace be upon them, and this is from their writing, Throughout the course of history, a large number of prophets descended from the prophet Isaac, came from the Israelites, the prophets Jacob, Joseph, Moses, Aaron, Jonah, Job, Elijah, David, Solomon, Zechariah, John, Esau, or Jesus, peace be upon them. Okay, so they recognize all these guys as just prophets, including Jesus Christ. Descended from the line of the prophet Ishmael, the prophet of Islam, Muhammad, may Allah bless and grant him peace, teachers of his line, and finally the uh, Imam Muhammad el-Mahdi, in addition, Hezrat Mahdi comes from the line stretching as far back as the prophet David. Jesus, the real Messiah, has to come from what tribe? Tribe of Judah, David's lineage. Okay. They are saying the Mahdi is in David's lineage, just like the Messiah of Israel. Revelation 13.8, going on in our text, And all who dwell on the earth will worship him, everyone whose name has not been written from the foundation of the world in the book of life. If anyone has an ear, let him hear. Okay, that's usually written to the church. It's that parenthetical, hey church, listen up. Okay. If anyone is destined to captivity, to captivity he goes. If anyone kills with the sword, with the sword he must be killed. Here is the perseverance and faith of the saints, and that's always the church. All right, so there will be some Christian martyrs. The word worship there, you know, it's like, man, how are they going to worship a man? Okay, it literally means proskuneo, and kineo literally means to kiss. And the idea is to kiss one's hand, to do reverence to, to pay reverence to someone who's uh, of great stature or diplomatic force. It's not like worship like we worship God. Does that make sense? Okay. All right. They will be worshiping Satan. We know that, Revelation 13, 4. And they worship the dragon, Satan, because he gave his authority to the beast. And they worship the beast or uh, paid reverence to him for the position that he held. 
who is like the beast and who is able to wage war with the beast. All right. Second Thessalonians 2.9, it says, that is the one who is coming in, uh, in accord with the activity of Satan with all power, signs, and false wonders. The Antichrist is going to be able to do miracles just like Jesus did. But the miracles he does will be from Satan's power, not from God's power. Counterfeit. Yeah, counterfeit miracles. And with all deception of wickedness for those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth so as to be saved. For this reason, God will send upon them a deluding influence so that they will believe what is false. And that's how they're all going to believe. Muslims think he's Mahdi. Jews think he's Christ. And the apostate church thinks he is the second coming of Christ. Are you with me? Okay. So it will unite the three world religions. And we are make up most of the religion in the world, those three things. Okay. He will bring peace to the Middle East. He will be an Israelite, a descendant of David, and a descendant of Aaron, which is interesting. So somehow one of Aaron's descendants and David's descendants had to get together. Because <laughs> Aaron is the priesthood, Levitical, and David is Judah. So, all right. But Pastor Brett, where it talked in their writings about Ishmael. Yeah. Is that referring to Abraham's bastard? Yes. And so they say that he's going to be a descendant of Ishmael, too, as with Muhammad and, and the other. So there's two lineages, Ishmael and uh, Isaac, or Jacob. Isaac. Isaac. Yes, <laughs> brain fading. Uh, and and one led to uh, Islam and the other one led to Judaism, but somehow they cross. In fact, elsewhere in the writings, and I didn't have time to put it in, they say he comes from the Jews, he looks like a Jew, he carries himself like a Jew. The Mahdi, which is really interesting. Okay. I know what you're thinking, Russ. Yeah. We're all Jews. All right. So February 9th, 2019, something radical was signed by the Pope and the head Imam of Sunni Islam. Okay. I think Sunni. Shiite? Did you look it up? I did, but 50-50. Okay. So the head Imam and the Pope of the Catholic Church signed this document February 9th, 2019. I haven't heard it on the news. I, I had to search for it, and I finally found it on one news. Maybe, maybe it was two, uh, like CNN. Did you find it, Scott? I forget where, where it was. Yeah. All right, but note this. That's them meeting. All right. So how, is, how are the apostate church and Jews and Muslims going to come together with a document just like this. This is on, from the Catholic website, February 8, 2019. U.S. Catholic officials welcome the Catholic Muslim document signed by the Pope. Now wait till you hear what it says. I'm going to just give you some quotes. In the name of God and of everything stated thus far, Al-Ajir al-Sharif and the Muslims of the East and West, together with the Catholic Church and the Catholics of the East and the West, declare the adoption of a culture of dialogue as the path, mutual co cooperation as the code of conduct, and reciprocal understanding as methods and standard. By the way, they are both in the name of God, saying, hey, the God you worship is the God we worship, and the God they worship is Satan. Okay, I want you to remember that. Remember, the Quran says, we don't worship what you worship, and you don't worship what we worship. 
Okay, keep going. We call upon the intellectuals, the philosophers, the religious figures, the artists, the media professionals, and men and women of culture in every part of the world to rediscover the values of peace, justice, goodness, beauty, human fraternity, coexistence in order to confirm the importance of these values as anchors of salvation for all and to promote them everywhere. This is filled with radical anti, this is how the Antichrist is going to come to power. Notice even they put in their salvation for all. Okay, it gets worse. I mean, th that seems good. Hey, world peace. Yeah, we all pray for that. Uh, we know it's not going to happen, but note this. The first and foremost aim of religions is to believe in God, to honor him, and to invite all men and women to believe that the universe depends on a God who governs it. That's good. Freedom is a right of every person. Each individual enjoys freedom of belief, thought, expression, and action. Now, this is where the radically horrible statement. Where's that? Oh, yeah. The pluralism and diversity of religions, color, sex, race, and language are willed by God in his wisdom through whom he created human beings. What does that statement say? The pluralism and diversity of religions are willed by God. This is ecumenicalism. What the Pope just signed is, hey, Islam, Hinduism are all ordained by God and good. That's what the Pope, the leader of the Catholic Church, just signed. Folks, that is blasphemy. That is universalism. That, in fact, is globalism, and that's exactly what the false prophet that we're going to talk about next week in the second half of Revelation 13 will do. Exactly what the Pope just signed. Bringing all the world religions together. Hey, we're all God-willed it, God-ordained it, it's good. That last sentence. Yeah, I was just going to say that. Yeah. Last sentence. Therefore, the fact that people are forced to adhere to a certain religion or culture must be rejected. Yes, because we're all, it's all going to be one global. That, yeah, that, no, no cultural boundaries and the globalists, that's what they're doing. Hey, don't build a wall, open up, up the border. Allow free migration, uh, immigration. Uh, to a certain religion or culture must be rejected. That's what the Antichrist will that do. That makes sense if all roads lead to the same God. Yes. So uh, Al-Azhar and the Catholic Church asked that this document become the object of research, reflection. Now note how they're saying this. Hey, this document, we want you to research it and meditate on it and reflect on it and <clears throat> in the schools and universities and institutions of formation, thus helping to educate new generations to bring goodness and peace to others. And folks, this is a false peace. It's exactly what the Antichrist will do. That document scares me. I mean, I can't believe the Pope signed it, and I cannot believe there's not an uproar with priests and bishops in the Catholic Church saying, God did not ordain all these religions. There is one way to God, Jesus Christ. The gospel can't be changed. Back to 1 John 2.18. We read in the beginning, we'll read in the end. Children, it's the last hour. And just as you heard that Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have appeared. By this we know it's the last hour. He'll tell us who those Antichrists are. Who is the liar but the one who denies that Jesus is the Christ? 
What's the Antichrist going to do? I am the Christ. Remember? Okay. Uh, this is the Antichrist, the one who denies the Father and the Son. That's exactly what he will do. And soon after Antichrist comes, Jesus comes to take us home. Amen? So John continues in that text later on, skipping down to verse 28, 1 John chapter 2. Now little children, abide in him. So abide in Christ right now. It's so important we do that. That when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink away from him in shame at his coming, the rapture of the church, the glorious appearing of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And with that, worship team, come on up. We'll finish Revelation 13 next week. We're going to finish our discussion on the Antichrist. We'll again talk about the Dijol, which is our false prophet. And their Asa, or Jesus, his coming is actually... Uh, uh, I mean, the coming of Esau, their Jesus, is actually our false prophet, and their Dijal is actually the second coming of Jesus. We're going to talk about that next week. It's amazing how it all lines up. Sand restores my soul, satisfies my need. Thank you for listening to Staying the Course with Pastor Brett Peterson. If you would like a copy of this message or would like to submit a prayer request or comment, Contact us at 949-888-5777 or email us at info at ccbcu.edu. God bless you as you seek and serve him. Remember, stay the course, and we'll see you next week. me